This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition. When it comes to self-care, it's really just knowing what your body needs, what your mind needs. So whether that is understanding what your personal values are and making sure that everything you do aligns with those personal values, I think that that pops into self-care, right? Not just for women, but for everybody. Are you making right healthy choices for your future, for your, your body, for you know, for your family around you. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Laura Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Jessica Eckert, Head of Culture and Innovation at The Riveter. Jessica develops member programs to support both business and personal growth. My conversation with Jessica will inspire, energize, and ground you all at the same time. There's just something about her voice. We talk about self-care as a statement of personal values, why women should embrace being called powerful, ambitious, and confident, defining success on your own terms, and The Riveter's mission to provide access and opportunity to women across the country. We also reveal The Riveter secret weapon for keeping its members hydrated or possibly overhydrated. Enjoy the episode. My listeners have been hearing about uh, The Riveter for sure for some time because you guys are a sponsor of the podcast. Um, yes. That. Um, and uh, why don't you talk a little bit, if you would, about your work specifically as head of culture and innovation at The Riveter? Because you know, I know that that's a, things have been morphing and I'm curious to know your take on what that what that role means. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, head of culture and innovation, at first I thought, you know, this, this is too pretentious, but it is so fun. <laughs> and I will, I don't allow anybody to abbreviate to CNI. Culture and innovation is what we're all about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so at the Riveter, you know, of course, I hope most people know that we're female forward workspace and community. And what we're doing is we're focusing on providing all of our members, women and their advocates, but really women with the knowledge and resources and access that they need to, to thrive, right? To find success on their own terms, not having success defined for them, um, but really being able to find success, whatever success means to them. So that all kind of falls under my realm here with head of culture and innovation. So my team and I oversee all of community engagement, um, personal and professional development, but we also are focused on ensuring we're creating this inclusive and equitable, equitable environment for just for all humankind, really. Um, so we're female forward, and that means we don't only have women in here. Um, we know that we're trying to change the world. Right? We're trying to change the way uh, women do business. We're trying to change. Um, and increase the opportunity and access for women. And we can't do that alone. So we invite everybody to the table and and make sure that women know that they have a seat. And not that they just have a seat, but they are empowered to speak up, to voice their opinion, 
um, to stand at the table if they want to, <laughs> to do whatever they um, do whatever they feel is necessary, but they, they have a place there. So our team really gets to focus on making sure that our members know that, uh, whether that is, you know, providing the personal and professional workshops, uh, making sure we have phenomenal events. We are making connections within the community, um, which has been an important and really exciting piece for us. We've had, in the past few weeks, we've had five female engineers start I'm like, oh, this is so amazing. So amazing. How can we connect them? Because they're doing amazing things, right? Every single person here is doing powerful things. How can we connect them, women in technology, um, and help them change the world and do it together and do it with the community around them? so there's a there's a brief description of yeah, what we do over no, here in culture and innovation. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there, but I but I love you know what's what's occurring to me is just the focus on women finding success on their own terms because I think that success can be a really heavy concept for just people in general. Like, what does that mean? And what have you seen as far as the different types of women and men who are members of the Riveter, what have you seen in terms of how they define success? Like what does that look, what are the different ways that you see it defined? I guess that's a better way to ask the question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I can't speak for everybody, but you know, um, so I was actually the first member of the Riveter and I came here because I was running an inclusion and diversity consulting firm, um, working with, you know, nonprofits and tech companies. And, um, I needed a place to feel at home. I had been working out of a WeWork for about two, three years, um, and it just wasn't my place. You know, I couldn't get far enough away where I wouldn't hear the ping pong tables. There was, I I never encountered really women of color. Um, That was really hard for me, being in South Lake Union, being in Seattle, moving here for, um, with my family, and really never seeing anybody who looked like me or who went through the same struggles as I did. Um, and so yeah, it was, yeah. and just sorry to interrupt to just quickly for those who don't, for my listeners who don't know what we work is, it's a work, co-working space of, I mean, national at this point, um, and a mm-hmm. quite large one. So, um, anyway, yes. yeah, pop. yeah. And for those of you who may not know, I am actually half, um, black and half Puerto Rican. Um, and that's, and I don't usually encounter a lot of people who, who look like me in Seattle and, um, and it's very isolating coming from a very diverse cities on the East Coast. And so I joined the Riveter because I wanted to be around more women like me. I wanted to be around more women who were ambitious, um, who were working really hard, still trying to figure it out constantly because I, I when do we ever all have it all figured it out? <laughs> uh, I'm also the mother of a five-year-old. And, you know, at, at WeWork, I felt guilty almost leaving before everyone else. I'd walk down the hallways and be so aware that I was leaving before everyone else. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though I picked back up later, it was, it was that struggle of, you know, walking across the street to go pick up my son, like, and it was, it was, it was interesting for me. Um, yeah, that's particularly interesting in a co-working space. I wouldn't, that's so interesting to hear, you know, to, that you had that same feeling in a co-working space that sounds like the feeling that you might have in a corporate environment. Yes. Yeah. And it was exactly when I had left in the corporate environment, something I had tried to get away from. 
So when I came to the Riveter, one of the first people sitting next to me was also a mom who worked incredibly hard, built this successful company, and she was also a mother. And while that wasn't really surprising to me, because I was like, of course, of course you can make that happen. But I felt like I was in my community. I felt like when I left at three o'clock or I took a break at two to <laughs> talk to college nannies and say, hey, I really I need some help finding a nanny. You know, I got off the phone and a woman around me near me was like, oh my gosh, well, you know, I have this group. There's all of these nannies in here. You should get on here and get connected. And then we turned around and we went back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I and, love that. And I, it was... I felt comfortable. And, um, and so I, the Riveter was something special for me. Amy Nelson, the CEO and founder here, she is someone I look up to and she has three children. She was pregnant when she launched this space, <laughs> our first location about a year ago. She gave birth in the same month we opened our second location and she does it and it just, she still wakes up. She's still cheerful. Um, whenever I'd see her and I was like, oh man, I'm struggling with one. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. I, yeah, she's wow. amazing. <laughs> so anyway, I've gotten super far off topic, but you know, that's how I came to the Riveter and, um, and do you want to ask your original question? Well, no, I, I actually just, think, <laughs> I, I don't think it's funny. I, I, I think my guests feel like that a lot where they're like, I have no idea what your original question was. I think you did answer it. The question was, you know, what have you seen as far as different definitions of success? But I think you just defined your definition of, or at least part of your definition of success, which, you yeah. know, my perception of it is having the flexibility to bring, you know, the, the personal into work and the work into personal and have it all flow in and out. I like to call it work-life integration because I don't actually believe in work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I don't think it exists, but that's what I heard. Is that what you meant to say? (laughs) It is. It is. And you know, I think it's having it all right. And understanding what having it all means to you, right? We know that we can't all have it all, but I think our members here are able to find their all, right? Whether it's like that work-life integration, whether it's, you know, they want to work 24-7, they need to, they get access to, you know, support around them and VCs and workshops. And they keep get to keep going in a space that has chocolate and soda, water, and maybe that's all for someone. Right? But we don't get to judge that. We don't get to define it, but our members do. And we're hopefully continuously creating that space for them. So yeah, where do you think the idea of self-care fits into the larger cultural conversation about women's empowerment? Do you think it belongs in that conversation? Oh, I absolutely think it does. I think it belongs in everyone's conversation, honestly, not just for women. Self-care really falls into that personal development for me. And when I think about wellness, I, I try not to define it too strongly because wellness doesn't always mean, you know, you have to go and do yoga three times a week or, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I got on a, a studio bike for the first time in like six months <laughs> last week. And I still feel like I, I'm able to practice wellness and, you know, and self-care, but not just for me, but when it comes to self-care, it's really just knowing what your body needs, what your mind needs. So whether that is understanding what your personal values are and making sure that everything you do aligns with those personal values, I think that that pops into self-care, right? Not just for women, but for everybody. Are you making right healthy choices for 
your future, for your, your body, for, you know, for your family around you. Self-care is just, it's an important topic and something that we don't often want to talk about, right? Because, I mean, self-care, right? Who wants to stop working? It's like, okay, well, we're, we're starting companies. We're working 24-7. With self-care that doesn't come into it, that's not going to help me make money. Well, it is, right? In the long term, it's going to help us get so much further than we could without it. So, you know, self-care is a huge topic for here at the Riveter with women and and for anyone. Well, and how have you seen, you know, just thinking about what you were just saying about if you aren't practicing some kind of self-care, how ultimately in the long term it's not it's not really helping you achieve your goals in business. What personally have you experienced around that? Like can you tell a, you know, can you think of a situation where you, that kind of was demonstrated to you? Oh <laughs> in your own life. Absolutely. I went through a period of three years where I practiced no self-care. I worked out every single day, but that still wasn't my self-care. I had put myself in a situation where I was working full-time for a global tech company. I was overseeing and running all of their uh, HR and internal operations. And I had my son and didn't practice self-care, didn't align with my values and went back to work immediately. And my breast milk dried up in three weeks. Um, and I worked incredibly hard and, you know, I didn't practice that self-care and I was, I was losing sleep. I was losing connection with my son. I was losing connection with my husband and, you know, my, my body felt good, right? I was working out every single day. I had some, I had to do something to kind of just deal with all the stress and, um, I think, you know, I got past that phase and it was really hard to, but then I really started focusing on what aligns with my values, what makes me feel good about waking up every single day, what makes me feel like I'm being a good mother, a good wife, and and a good, you know, a great worker, right? Because work is important to me as well. So... So yeah, that was, that was kind of my, I can dive way more into that, but that was my period of not practicing self-care. Yeah. Well, and I love your focus on using self-care as a means of aligning with your values. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means for you? Mm-hmm. So, so I think we all go through these phases where we're figuring out what what our personal values are, right? You know, is it family? Is it wealth? Is it power? But then digging in a little bit deeper. For me, power has always been a huge value for me. It's been a big driver and it took me a while to dig in deeper and understand what that power meant to me. My personal values of valuing power was having enough power to make a difference in the world, having enough wealth, enough power and to be an influencer and to help other women of color become successful. And mm-hmm. so really digging in deep on what the underlying reasons were for like that one word, right? This is my value, family, love, power, wealth, digging in deeper. It's all right. So how do I align myself and make sure that I'm doing everything I can to kind of live those values, right? How am I making sure that I'm working incredibly hard and living alongside my values of wanting to make a difference and wanting to help other women of color? How do I, you know, work really hard and still keep in mind and, um, and set some healthy boundaries for my family and being able to spend time with them? And so I think our values should be something that drives 
as many interactions um, as we can, as many of our reasons for waking up and going to work and, and going to a specific job and working for a specific person, working in a specific industry. Yeah. And you know, I, I love that. And I, and I also love that you dug underneath the idea of power a little bit too, because, you know, again, it's one of those words, it's like one of those, you know, like ambition, right. Where there's this negative connotation sometimes (laughs) those things. And, and you, I think have just changed definition of that word for a lot of women listening to this. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I hope so. It's, it's not something to be ashamed of. I did this exercise. Oh my gosh. So when we, um, when I came on board, we hired an executive coach and we did this exercise where we got down to five cards and really understanding what our drivers were, what our values were. And at first I kind of felt a little ashamed because I was like, you're supposed to do it without thinking, right? You're supposed to just throw down these words. And I was like, power, wealth, success, you know, this is, you know, this is what I'm all about. And a part of me, I was like, oh goodness, that's, you know, that's a little, that's a little intense, <laughs> but I had to dive in deeper and really understand what that meant for me. Cause that is one thing you think about power and that's one big strong word. Yeah. It's an incredibly strong word and it can have all of these incredibly strong words can have different meanings to everybody. And so just keeping those in mind and making sure you do everything that aligns with those values is, is um, I think it's, it's important for many people. Well, and it's interesting that you just use the word intense too, that your experience of when you wrote down those words, you were like, wow, that's kind of intense. I don't know about you, but that's a word that has been used. The word intense has been used to describe me many times in my life <laughs> and in my career. And in not necessarily in a good way. And I think, you know, reclaiming that word, just like you sort of reclaim the word power and and how the Riveter is helping to reclaim the word ambition for women, that it, you know, intensity, power, ambition are not bad things for women. And I mean, I think that's really important for us all to internalize. Yes. Yeah. You are absolutely right. Hitting the nail on the head for me, at least in my opinion, we have so many words out there that can be pinned to us as strong, powerful women, right? Um, there's, I've gotten intimidating a lot. And mm-hmm. it could be the fact that I'm a six foot tall black woman. Well, <laughs> but the it's, six foot tall, yeah, I know. I, I tall <laughs> women as a fellow tall women. I can, tall yes. women, I can uh, to that. Hey there, it's Lara here. Want to take a quick break from the interview to remind you about my new monthly online workshop series. It's designed to help you get out of your own way and make being healthy feel easy and intuitive instead of stressful and overwhelming. And it's totally free. So consider this your personal invitation to join in. I've actually got two scheduled for June, including one tonight on Tuesday, June 12th. So visit laradolch.com slash workshops to save your spot in upcoming workshops. That's laradolch.com slash workshops. But it's also in the confidence that I, I show when I step into a room, right? Because yeah. I believe in myself and the work I do. And um, people don't often, again, intimidating might be someone's word for it, but that's not how I define it. I understand if someone calls me intimidating, I'm like, no, that's my confidence showing up. And that might be a little bit intimidating, but that you're going to have to deal with it. That's just how I show up. Right. Well, and that, that word is, you know, that's their experience of it, right? Mm-hmm. The intimidating, you know, intimidating is, it's an, it's entirely coming from that other person, you know? So yes. I, I think that's a really, you know, powerful observation. I'm curious if there's a, 
just sort of circling back to self-care and how that does tie into your values, is there a self-care decision that you've made at some point, something that you chose to do that sort of disproportionately affected your well-being or your success? Something that maybe was surprising about how much it affected it? Mm, something in something I did negatively to, to not practice that self. Well, either way, actually, no, I mean, it could be, an, mm. uh, that's, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that either way. So any self-care decision, whether it was one that you maybe didn't feel good about or one that you did feel good about <laughs> disproportionately affected your sense of well-being and success. Yeah. When I lock into things, I can become a little obsessive. And I did this program. I, it was back during that time of, of not, you know, taking, doing a lot of personal development, a lot of self-care, but I had logged in this program called Kayla, it seems, and it was this 12-week program, and it was amazing. These people had really, you know, it was a time where I was, wasn't being myself, and so everyone around me, you know, I thought everything else around me was better, and that I needed to be more like that, and, and so I started obsessively working out, and eating specific things, tracking all of my, you know, my macros and everything. And, and it was so much and I became so obsessed with it. It just became another locker within mm-hmm. my family, within what I, yeah. what I was doing. And it was me pushing to be somebody I wasn't. Um, I became incredibly unhealthy. Um, actually, I look back on pictures of myself and I did not like the way I looked, <laughs> but I was getting closer to the way other people looked. And so... Yeah, from that that self-care, it was, again, it wasn't coming back to what self-care meant for me. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't meditating like I do now. I wasn't, I wasn't spending time with my son without the phone around. I wasn't getting out into the sunshine whenever the sun would shine here in Seattle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I was practicing self-care with the definition of someone else. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That sort of external definition. Yeah. That's, that's something I see come up with my clients a lot, this sort of like rigid definition of what a healthy person should be, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and trying to apply that to yourself. Well, and it's interesting. It also reminds me, I don't know if you resonate with this, but one of the women that I interviewed in the first season of the podcast, uh, Minhai Alex, she's a nutritionist and, you know, mm. she was talking a lot about how, some of us, you know, make those choices because the world is an unpredictable place. Like life is unpredictable and it, that can be scary. And that sometimes we latch on to certain aspects of our life to help us feel like we're more in control, even though we're really not. <laughs> right. And I feel like that yes. might come up in self-care a lot. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's a, it's a fine line for sure. What do you hope is true? This is kind of zooming back out a little bit in the conversation, but what do you hope is true for women in the workplace, you know, 10 years from now, for example, that's not true today? Well, first off, I went when people Google CEO or founder. Um, I really hope that it's not only pictures of white males that show up. I love that. Um, yeah. And, and also not only just white women that show up too. Yeah. I would love to see that Google screen or whatever it is 10 years in the future, just be this <laughs> array of diverse faces and hairstyles and everything. Um, So I hope that's true for women in the workplace in 10 years. But I also hope that women don't feel that the opportunity is not there for them. I think that's something that I've connected to with the Riveter 
pretty strongly. It's, you know, I, I have this ability to show up as myself, right? I have this ability to show up as a, you know, a proud mother, proud, incredibly hard worker. Um, but I, I also get this opportunity to open up opportunity and access to so many women who didn't know it was possible before. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I mean, I grew up without a lot of access to most things that people have in large affluent cities like this. Um, I Where did up, you grow up, Jessica? So I was all over the place. I was a military brat and oh. I settled in Florida, <laughs> in the good of Florida, um, which is <laughs> wonderful sometimes. Uh, and uh, My parents divorced and we were there and we were we were pretty poor for a very long time. And we, you know, we had more opportunity come up as I grew up. Um, but I did, didn't know that there was this whole tech, uh, like this whole tech side, right? The whole West Coast, everything mm-hmm. happening in the, uh, you know, the 80s, the late 80s and 90s. Uh, I didn't, I didn't even know it existed in my schools. You know, there weren't computers and we didn't have, there's just not opportunity. And it wasn't because it wasn't there. It just wasn't shown to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things would come up on TV or, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's for people, you know, in LA or that's people, it's not for people in Winter Haven, Florida. And not that it's not for them, but that's not available to them. Um, right. Or, you know, ended up in Tampa and then we ended up leaving a lot. And as I grew up, I spent a lot of time in New York and DC and um, Atlanta and overseas and finally made my way to the West Coast about four years ago where my husband's an engineer. He got an opportunity to work with Amazon. We moved over here. I didn't even know where Amazon was. I thought we were moving to San Francisco. So I was incredibly <laughs> upset for a very long time. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and, it's okay. Uh, so we we turned it into San Francisco for better or worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you move out here and then, uh, you know, we, we landed in South Lake Union and I was like, what, what is this? This is insane. I mean, you, you see, so many people with so much opportunity and, and, um, and access. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if we could just take a little bit of this and put these into cities in the Midwest or small cities in Florida, or just, just even make it more aware to people that you don't have to be from a specific family. You don't have to be from a specific city to get opportunity and to get this access would be phenomenal. And so now at the Riveter, I, get to do that. We're growing. We are going to go to 35 locations over the next four years. We're launching a tech platform to be able to to reach women who can't make it into the Reviter, whether that's A, they're too far away, B, um, economically just cannot afford it, or, you know, C, even they're starting a company and you, you, you know, often it's not something that you can afford, right? You can't afford many things uh, when you're, when you're launching. And so for some, so, so we get to open up opportunity and access for all of these, these women. And I hope 10 years down the road, that it's not something we even have to think about anymore because it's just there. Yeah. I love that one. I'm beginning to understand more about sort of why you feel so personally passionate about that piece of the Riveters mission. Can you talk a little bit about the 
sort of wellness piece of the mission at the Riveter? Yeah. So when we started, it was, it was women work wellness, um, but we've changed and how we really tie that into personal development because for a while we were defining you know, again, coming back to that, that definition of self-care, we were defining wellness, you know, specific workout programs in place and, you know, specific classes available. And we moved it more into that personal development, the opportunity to go and do meditation, right? Guided meditation, putting a bigger emphasis on that, you know, the opportunity to pop down or into a studio and do yoga if you want to, the opportunity to go take a nap, if you need it in the middle of the day in our meditation room when a guided meditation session isn't happening, but also personal development workshops as like, you know, finding that integration, right? That work-life integration, being able to, you know, understanding that you can start a company while you're pregnant, while you just had a baby, doing those personal values, workshops Mm -hmm. as well. Right. And so that wellness fits into personal development. We're not going to define it for you. We're going to provide a lot of opportunity for you to expand on your personal development. And hopefully whatever wellness means to you, we, we have that available here. Yeah. What are, what are three things that the Riveter offers along those lines that you have come to depend on? What were three things that maybe you kind of can't live without at this point? What, actually, whether it's yeah. at the Riveter or, or just in general. Connection. <laughs> we can't always be in this space. And when I am here, there's this buzz happening constantly. And it's, it's so empowering. It's like, it, even when I talk about it, it gives me chills. Um, because you walk in and you just feel the energy in the room. Totally. There are yeah. like 60 women in one room, um, 60 women and advocates, right? Doing powerful things right next to each other. They may not even know what they're doing right next to each other, but they are all doing these amazing, powerful things. And that energy, that buzz that, you know, you're sitting down in a room and you see people hug or, you know, we see, <laughs> we see people get hired um, or hire each other. Um, getting their first VC check or sitting down to meet with a VC um, for the first time. You know, it's, it's, that connection, that community, that power, that energy is something that I can't, I can't deal with without. <laughs> yeah. So that's really great. I've, so I've been able to make a lot of really strong connections. And, but the, the workshops, I think the, the workshops are, are amazing. And I'm not saying that just because I created the program. <laughs> <laughs> But I created it because I, I, you know, when I, when I was launching a company, when I was, you know, growing in my career, I wish I'd had these workshops around. I wish I'd had this opportunity to sit down with somebody local and, and who would explain, you know, hey, here's the step. Here's the process, right? Go do it. Go to an accountability session and have other people check in on you and, and help push you and guide you. And so having those workshops has been I, I'm like, I love them. I like being here because I can pop into them and then learn from some really amazing, diverse teachers, which is really cool. And the third thing, my gosh, my, my operations lead would kill me, but I am sitting here with like this big bottle of soda water right in front of me. <laughs> and I have become so hydrated lately. So this is a little superficial, but... <laughs> 
No, not at all. <laughs> we got a bevy. We've got, we have bevy machines in our locations now. And oh, that's right. Um, yes. I forgot about that. It's spelled B-E-V-I, right? Is that the name of the yep. company? Yep, exactly. Totally. Is there one in Capitol Hill too? Because I saw the one in Fremont. There is. There is. It's downstairs. Um, oh, that's why I haven't seen it. Gosh, we go through bevy water so quickly and it's amazing because we see so many people staying hydrated and I love it. It's so <laughs> great. Can you actually tell listeners a little bit more about what that is? Because I'd never seen it before until a couple of weeks ago when I was at Fremont. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this seems so silly, but it's actually, we've seen people become members because they're like, oh my gosh, I love the sparkly water. I love the bubbly water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's a, a bevy machine. It's, it can give you regular flavored water or it'll give you sparkling water. And, you know, we, I think, so it's important for us because we really try to focus on vendors and products that are giving back to more women and giving back to the environment. And so for a while we had the LaCroix or the LaCroix, however you pronounce it. We had a lot of those cans and we were going through cans like crazy and we were not contributing to the world very much there. And so switching over to Bevy has been important for us for, you know, it saves our recycling, thankfully, and it helps the environment and we get bubbly water still. So bonus, everyone wins. And bonus. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I was, I was pleased to see it too, because I prefer bubbly water myself. So that, that's super fun. Well, and I don't think it's superficial at all to your point. Like, I mean, you just explained why it's not superficial, not you know, at least because it's helping, you know, sort of the environment and other mm-hmm. women focused companies, but also because it helps your members stay hydrated, which, you know, is kind of important. <laughs> Everyone is so hydrated. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just as we're kind of coming to a close, is there, is there one thing that you, I'm always curious about people's morning routines. Is there something that you do in your mornings, no matter how small, that really helps you feel the way you want to feel starting your day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, my therapist, I actually, so I'll, I'll always switch off between having a therapist or an executive coach because I find them so As powerful. Everyone should. Yeah, for sure. Everyone should. Honestly, I have no problem talking about therapy. She made me create a routine. And so every morning I wake up and if I have a juice or a coffee nearby, I'll sit in this really old rocking chair from my great, great grandmother. Uh, that we still have in our basement. And I will sit there and I will, you know, sit for a while, five minutes, just really quietly with a face mask on because I'm really trying to prevent more um, tired lines. <laughs> no one can tell my lack of sleep, thankfully. Thank goodness to all these lush face masks. Um, and then I'll catch up on the news, honestly. It's just being aware of what's going on in the world is just really important for me because, you know, which we need to be. We need to be. We not only need to be focusing on professional development. I think under that personal development is understanding what's happening around you locally, nationally, globally, how it could affect you, how it's affecting the lives of other people. And so I'll catch up on the news. I'll read broadsheet and we have an amazing social media A woman, our senior comms manager, who uh, is so great at social media that I'm trying to push myself to be better at social media. So I'll start posting and I'll, I'll schedule a tweet or, or so. <laughs> I love it. Just reconnecting with the world, it sounds like. Reconnecting with the world. And then until my, my sleepy five-year-old wakes up and, and clings to me. I love it. Well, so where can people learn more about you and of course, the Riveter, which they already know because there's an ad in this episode about the Riveter. But where can oh, they learn amazing. more about you and what you're working on? 
Um, well, if you want to learn more about me, you can always follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Jess Eggert, J-E-S-S-E-G-G-E-R-T. But you can also find more about me and The Riveter. Everyone should be following us on Instagram, just at The Riveter Co. So T-H-E-R-I-V-E-T. E-R-C-O. <laughs> Pretty sure I just spelled that right. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll put it in the And everyone knows at this point anyway. From, from yes. Yeah. Yep. Everyone should follow us on Instagram. And, yeah, for and sure. I do. And I and it's a lot of fun. A lot of good there stuff you go. going on. So thank you so much for taking the time, Jessica. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Laura. It was great talking with you. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit lauradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps me out. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women-forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co-working space, The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Fremont neighborhoods, and a third location in West LA with more locations coming soon. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's C-O, slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co slash women on the rise.